0: He's got one foot in the frying pan and one in the pressure cooker. Believe me, as a bowler, I know that right about now, your bladder feels like an overstuffed vacuum cleaner
1: bag, and your butt is kind of like an about-to-explode bratwurst. Hey, do you mind? I wasn't talking when you were bowling. Was I talking out loud?
2: Welcome to Munson's at the Movies. My name is Kyle, I'll once again be your host, joined by the rest of the Munsons. want to give them a wide berth.
1: He's what is called a born loser. A real Munson. <laughs> and talk a little bit about what's going on in their worlds. Case, we'll start with you. Excited to talk about a little Luis Guzman and I, especially since he was a guest on my Eric Andre show. You've been waiting for this moment. Everything we've done in this podcast has led me to this moment, so I couldn't <laughs> be happier. <laughs> We can make dreams come true. We're like the Disney (laughs) podcast. Rigby.
0: Yeah, we're recording this before Christmas, but it's the holiday season. And um, I think when this episode drops, it'll be right before New Year's. So want to wish both you guys or all you guys a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, whatever you celebrate. And yeah, hopefully you can be around your family this year. And if not, hopefully you can still have a, a good holiday season.
1: Rigby, when you slipped and said both you guys, I assume you left me out i'm all right with
3: that (laughs) i hope you have a shit christmas there
1: yeah i meant i meant all three of us don't worry
2: or all four of us
3: all four of us use guys james got my grades back in grad school um they're gonna allow me to continue staying in grad school so i got that going for me which is cool Boy, nice it was touch and go there for a minute not gonna gonna lie
2: well congratulations james welcome to thank you almost uh second semester full-time on my end i'm just counting the days Counting the days until I inevitably get COVID probably will happen. Who knows? By the time this drops, I'll probably have COVID and not be able to taste or eat. I mean, the day is
3: young. You might get it tonight.
2: We were going to have a featured guest, Sam Phillips, but kind of last minute, he had some personal family stuff come up. Couldn't join us, but he did choose... Participate in Luis Guzman a while back. So I know you're sad. Sends his best. If you are interested in who Sam is, you can catch his previous appearance for the Dakota Fanning episode if you go back into the catalog.
1: I'm bummed out because I had a litany of procedural questions because it shocked me how many roles Luis Guzman is a law enforcement officer. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, as a law enforcement human. I had all sorts of questions for him. Well, we'll do our
2: best without Sam, and we'll rock and roll as a foursome, which we haven't done since Emma Thompson. So we're going to have ourselves a Munson's orgy without the sex. <laughs> Birthdays, December 30th, Rigby, what do we have?
0: All right, first up, we got LeBron James. Ever heard of him? You guys probably know him from Space Jam 2. He also is kind of an NBA player and plays a little basketball on the side. Rain wreck. He was, in tr- he was tremendous in train wreck. Trem- yeah, he was good in train wreck. Space Jam 2 uh, was a train wreck, but he was <laughs> awesome in train wreck. I will give you, I will give you that. If you're, if you're good at math and you know your NBA draft history, you you could probably have a good idea of how old LeBron James is turning on December 30th. Oh,
2: hmm, I wonder what year he went into the draft. Could it be the year the Pistons had the second overall pick and blew it on Darko Milicic? Hmm, <laughs> let me date myself on this one. <laughs> He's 36.
1: 35. 30, I don't know, 38.
2: James one. All of us Jameses know
0: everyone's birthdays. He's 36 now, and he'll be 37 when this uh, on the 30th. Next up, we have Eliza Dushku. True Lies, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Bring It On, and Jay yeah. and Bob Strike Back. So, how old is she turning on December 30th? My guess is
3: 40s. I'm thinking 40, 43, just based on the timing of the movies we just mentioned.
1: Yeah. Give me 35. But will split the
0: middle. Give me 40. Uh Hickman, nice job. She's she's forty now. She's turning forty one. So you Let's win, go. Kyle. Correct for the next few hours. Nice. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, a Munson podcast favorite, Mister Tyrese Gibson. Oh. T. Oh, I have no. I will idea. give you a hint. I thought he was much older than this, and I'm very. Uh, I don't know why I thought he was, but that's just my hint for
3: you guys.
1: Dude, he's looked the exact same his whole life. Yeah. Is he the one that had the Benihana? Yeah, Yeah. the Gibson Hunter. Yeah, the Gibson Gibson Hunter In his backyard.
2: (laughs) Key role in the upcoming Morbius film. He's chasing down Michael Morbius in the... Is he really? The Sonyverse. Yeah, he's the one he's got... Looks like Jax with... Kind of looks like Craig right now with like an arm apparatus. Interesting. Looks like Jax. I like the Mortal Kombat call. Thanks, buddy. 47. Damn, I think you nailed it. That's probably pretty good. Yeah, that feels good. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go 44.
3: I'll split them. 45.
0: I feel bad about it.
2: If <laughs> Gave him no sense. window. At yeah.
0: All. <laughs> so you guys were all over. Whoa. He's turning forty three. Oh, interesting. I just yeah. It was like the, guy, the guy's been around forever, and he forever. That's my guess. He's looked the same that he did twenty years ago, and only forty three. That's that I means he stressful. got
3: into the acting game young.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've just known of him for so long.
2: We all apologize, Tyrese. Our bad. Five actors that we threw onto the wheel. They were Sid Haig, Steve Martin, Catherine Keener, Val Kilmer, but it doesn't matter because The Wheel selected Luis Guzman, who has just over 150 credits on his filmography. Mostly movies. There's some TV yeah. f- scattered throughout there. He's got 15 recurring characters over over his career, and he's done things like music videos and video games, and we'll talk about some of that as we go along, so... For a guy that's been around a while, has done quite a bit in the entertainment world. But we will always start with a little trivia to see what James scoured from the internet and see if he can stump us.
3: So I'll preface this with he lives a supremely private life. Yes, he does. So finding information and trivia on him was difficult. So I apologize in advance if these are going to be very easy for you guys to all guess. We're gonna do two truths and a lie here. So, two of the facts I'm going to read are going to, in fact, be true about Luis Guzmán, and one of the facts isn't going to be true about him, but is going to be true about one of the many cast members of the Fast and the Furious franchise. And so, the guys here are gonna guess which one is about a Fast and Furious franchise cast member. Fact number one: A statue of him is prominently featured on a TV show, while him, why he himself only is, appears on the show once. Fact number two, a scammer pretending to be him applied for COVID relief funds using the bank account of a fan they were scamming to deposit the stolen funds. (laughs) Fact number three, prior to becoming an actor, he was a social worker. Hmm.
1: I'm going to say that the lie is fact three, and I'm going to go back a couple episodes where I I think that's about Jordana Brewster maybe
3: yes borderline or maybe actually at some point actually was supermodel jordana brewster prior to being discovered for being breathtakingly attractive worked as a government
0: employee as a social worker
1: yeah humble beginnings humble beginnings (laughs) yeah Has a heart that's what i'm hearing
0: i'm gonna go number two is the lie and i think that's fuck i can never guess these um Gina Carano. Wow,
3: what a guess. Co-star from In the Blood. What a guess. Someone to steal COVID
2: funds and you go Gina Carano, honestly? Good guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I agree with Rigby. Fact 2 is definitely false because that was a fan of this person from the Fast and Furious Spy Racers, the TV series from 2019 to 2021 on Netflix. That was none other then Paul Wright, a.k.a. The Big Show, who played Palindrome on that nice. show. The Big Show. Good get. That wrestling fan base, bunch of scammers, man. That's, that's <laughs> what I feel.
3: And only you would know that there was a TV show for Fast and the Furious, because that's the first time I've heard this, and I have looked up so much Fast and the Furious Same. information that the fact that I missed a TV show is impressive. The one fact that no no one picked, and it is definitely the funniest in my eyes, uh, is fact number one. It's a statue of him is prominently featured on a TV show while he himself only appears on the show once in its entire existence. And that's true. On the show Community, Luis Guzman is considered the fictional college's most prestigious uh, alumni. (laughs) And there's a bronze (laughs) statue of him in the front of the campus, and it is on the the show nine times throughout its six seasons and he himself is only on the show once for like 30 seconds in like a pseudo documentary about the school so his statue has nine times the amount of credits that he does on that show but one thing he did mention is like he thought it was funny because it kind of pokes fun at his obscurity as being a character actor and you know as the punchline of reoccurring jokes but he also got paid every time they
2: showed that statue so i love it He's like, I was only on the show once, but I got paid like I was on it ten
3: times. <laughs> he's like, I'll take that all day.
2: I literally just added. He just got an extra point or two on my months in meter and meter <laughs> for the statue. <laughs> yeah, that's for cool. sure. That's
3: it's impressive because uh, the original person they asked to do it was Mark Hamill, uh, and he wrote him. He's the director's like, yeah, he wrote us a, a super thoughtful letter back, and was like personally written. And he's like, I'm. I just don't want to be the butt of the joke for the whole show. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't want to do that. And Luis Guzman's like. They got to pay me, boy. Oh Hell yeah, I'm on there. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Uh, I think Rigby guessed this, but the fact that he was a social worker before becoming an actor is true. Directly out of college, he uh, grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, where's where I actually lived when I was in Manhattan. It's definitely a lot different today than when he was there. But he, directly out of college, worked as a social worker and said it was the best job he's ever had. He loved doing it. He didn't decide to pursue acting until after him and his wife lost the child, and he essentially... Was just like, hey, you know, I just want to start a new chapter at my life. And I could keep this social working job that I love, but, you know, this will be fun on the side and I can add some, you know, make some money. And, you know, 40 years later, here we are. And fact number two that you guys all guess a scammer pretending to be him applied for COVID relief funds using the bank account of the fan. They were scamming to deposit the stolen funds. That's not about him. That is actually about the one, the only, the legend himself, Vin Diesel. So someone was catfishing a young girl into thinking she was speaking with Vin Diesel. And that she had won an award and Vin Diesel just needed her banking information and he would give her a check and then she could pull from that for it. But essentially they were just going to, again, be like, hey, you should send Vin Diesel money. I mean, it wasn't until that girl's mother realized a good 20 grand in her middle school daughter's banking account. was like, wait, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on? And alerted
2: the FBI. Wow. And not surprising at all.
3: Yeah. And wasn't actually Vin Diesel. Uh, He's been cleared of all charges. So that's good.
1: (laughs) He knows a good accountant. (laughs) Isn't his brother, twin brother, an accountant or some shit like that? I actually think that
3: is true. I think be true.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Case, snapshot in box office history. I can't imagine Louise's is is great. That's my bias going in.
1: You can lean into that a little bit. Coming off the, the, the heels of Dennis Haysbert, and I think we're going to see some similarities here. James talked about it, you know, being a character actor. The tough thing in the box office numbers is that they're usually not to blame for Bad box office performance, and they're also not giving the credit for for pulling in large budgets. He's in a lot of recognizable movies, and I think his numbers are, you know, just kind of reflect that. He's been a part of two pretty good doozies when it comes to losing money. The most money that he's lost, Pluto Nash, had a hundred million dollar budget, and at world grossed (laughs) 7.1 million. Damn. Losing almost $93 million.
0: That's got to be one of the worst. It has terrible ratings. Definitely one of the bigger bombs of the 21st century.
1: The only actor that we've covered that's been a part of a movie that has lost more than that is Seth Green. Seth Green was part of a movie that lost $111 million.
2: Marzine's Moms, I remember that. Well, that's because they were trying to do so much experimental
1: crap. Yeah. Guzman... Gets a hit on that one, and then <laughs> tying back into Rigby's two truths of a lie. Guess the movie anchored by Gina Carano <laughs> in the Blood, budgeted for ten million, and it pulled in five hundred ninety-five thousand, losing almost nine point five million dollars. Why was oh my god?
2: You won't be yeah. shocked to
1: hear that Danny Trejo is also in that movie. Yep, <laughs> yep. Those two stand out. Putting together his ranks, he's thirty-first. Out of 53 in average film budget, which was a lot higher than I thought. He had some movies that had much bigger budgets than I would have guessed. He's 51st in IMDb ranking, just ahead of our boy Dennis Haysbert. Critic ranking, he's 35th with an average of 52.6%. Fan ranking, he's 36th with an average of 583 36th and 10th in box office performances, averaging him out at 49th just ahead of chris rock because what spades 52 Haysbert's 51 just a real who's who here at the bottom yeah real who's who <laughs> never where you want to be so you know dennis Haysbert has probably had a little bit more impact on on some of the box office performances than, than Luis Luis guzan but nothing i plugged into the spreadsheet jumped out of me like wow that's crazy all right well let's dig into it let's do it all right so 91 is what we're gonna call first major role
2: before then, as James alluded to, there's not a ton out there about Luis Guzman. I Wikipedia'd, I Googled, I YouTubed. Uh, there's just not a lot out there. So, from what I could find online, born in Puerto Rico, he's Puerto Rican, which connects to a movie we're going to talk about a little bit later Nothing Like the Holidays. Raised in Greenwich Village, as James pointed out. He graduated from City College and then became a youth counselor. And his big break is he was performing at New York. I probably butchered that pronunciation. If Warren was here, he would tell me if I did. But he performed at the New York Poets Cafe, which is where he met Cuban actor and playwright Miguel Pinero, who essentially gave him his first big break in show business. He gave him a small role in a 1977 film called Short Eyes, which is available at, this, at the time of recording on Tubi. It's about an hour and a half, hour, 40-minute movie. I don't believe Luis has a speaking part in it, but you could see a very young version of him at 21 years old on screen in this prison movie, which is all about a white man who is a child rapist who comes into jail and learns that justice strikes swift amongst the prisoners. So it's interesting.
1: Sounds like a light watch. Yeah. As I say, what a weird title (laughs) for that type of a movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's named Short Eyes because the main, one of the main prisoners, his nickname is Short Eyes.
3: Oh, okay. I mean, it makes sense though for the type of role he would take because he's got that intimidating kind of demeanor about him, and we see it in all these other roles. Like it very much fits the other uh, roles he takes for the rest of his career, where it's I'm either the law enforcement or the guy who's breaking into places.
2: Yeah. Well, what's interesting is his role. You know, it's an. I don't think it has any speaking parts. He looks very innocent. And not intimidating at all. So I, I think it was just more of like, hey, I met this kid. He wants to get in the business. I'm just going to give him a part and just don't distract the, the B-list actors from the work they're trying to do. So it's fascinating if you want to check it out. Um, but his, I guess his next film role wasn't until 1983. So there's a six-year gap where he did his first thing with Pinheiro based on based on a play and then didn't really do any work industry-wise for almost the better part of a decade. And then his career started to take off. So, 85, he did an episode of The Equalizer, which, if you've seen the latest Spider-Man, a.k.a. just James and I, that, you know, The The Equalizer was filmed. In the yeah, they of... do
3: make a random Equalizer
2: <laughs> joke in the movie, That now that I think about it. Yeah. So random. He does a couple episodes of Miami Weiss, number one new show, 85 to 86. <laughs> number one new show. <laughs>
1: Have a time i guarantee you he was not wearing socks with his shoes if he was on that show probably i couldn't find any clips but there's a good chance three years
2: later he's in crocodile dundee Two as jose i meant
3: to say this when we were mentioning miami vice i saw an interview where he was asked when did you finally get that first paycheck as an actor where you're like oh i'm like i'm living better now and he said miami vice because he got into acting because he wanted to buy like a car because a car is a luxury in New York. So he was like, I just wanted to like a used car that I could park and like drive to the beach on the weekends. So like, I didn't need a lot of money. It's like, after I got that Miami vice check, I bought a used car and I was like, dude, this is, this is living man. Like I get to drive places. Like this
2: is nice <laughs> to get in the game for right there. Yeah. Over the next couple of years though, he was in a movie called true believer, played the character named Ortega and then in Q&A in 90, he played Detective Valentin. So you start to see him play these roles where he's like the, the Hispanic character in the movie or whatever it happens to be, or the cop, the law enforcement person, as James had noted. It started pretty early on, started to find that niche for himself. But what we're going to call his first major role, even after Crocodile Dundee and The Equalizer and all these things, is his role in 1991's The Hard Way, and Case is going to talk about it.
1: The Hard Way is a uh, 91 American buddy cop movie starring Michael J. Fox and James Woods, really. And then there's a bunch of supporting cast members, which includes our boy Luis Guzman and Del Rey Lindo. Oh, nice. And L L Cool J. Ladies love Cool James is in this movie. And it is hilarious to watch him very, very early. In his acting career. As I was watching this movie, it it struck me. It's it's very similar. The Rene Russo episode, we talked about the movie Showtime with Eddie Murphy. I feel like Showtime was basically a remake of this movie. Because in this particular movie, Michael J. Fox plays a character named Nick Lang. Whose tagline as an action star is, bang, bang, Nick Lang. (laughs) And Michael J. Fox is... He's fantastic in this movie, by the way. If you haven't seen this, I do really recommend you go out and watch this because he's great. James Woods is great. But what happens in this movie is Michael J. Fox plays this kind of like Indiana Jones like character and he wants to get like this serious cop role that is up and, and he wants to kind of jump. He wants to get out of like popcorn movies and he wants to become this serious actor. And so he's determined to study and basically do a ride along. With James Woods. And at this point in his career, especially, James Woods is hilarious as just the asshole. And he plays it off great in this movie. And and of course, he's annoyed because Michael J. Fox gets assigned to him. They're basically forced to be partners, and James Woods wants nothing to do with it. One of the funny parts is that everybody loves Michael J. Fox because of the movies that he plays, and James Woods just hates him. And then there's this scene where James Woods is basically shaking his gang down, trying to get information from him. And Michael J. Fox comes running in. And these guys just look at him, and they're like, oh, man, you're that dude from the movies. By this point, you're kind of conditioned to make sure you like him. And all of a sudden, they're like, man, we hate your shit. You are awful. Your movies (laughs) suck. And James Woods is just ear to ear grid. It's it's pretty entertaining, but... The movie's a really easy watch, and like I said, if you haven't seen it, take a look at it. I definitely think it's one of Michael J. Fox's better roles, because he kind of gets out of that mm-hmm. you know, real nice and, and boy-next-door character, and he, and he does a little bit more in this movie, and it's, it's enjoyable. As far as our boy Luis Guzman, he's real prevalent at the beginning of the movie. He's actually James Woods' partner as they're hunting this serial killer called the Party Crasher. And so we don't really see a lot from Luis Guzman in the middle of the movie once Michael J. Fox gets in, but he's picked up where he's left off in uh, Q and A, where he's a detective and he's trying to help get everything solved. And you can tell by this point that he's kind of figured out that he's got a charm. He's a really good balance off of James Woods' character, who's really hard and real abrasive, and then. You know, here's Luis Guzman, who, you know, is making these nice little jokes, and he's they're on a stakeout, and he's bitching about all the different things he could be doing instead of sitting there in this stakeout. <laughs> really funny. It's an early indication of kind of what we're going to see Luis Guzman do a lot throughout his career. He, As he goes on his career, he's doing a lot of the same things, but he's probably getting better screen recognition, or, or he's more noticeable. He does well in this movie for what he's asked to do.
2: See a couple of other roles here on IMDb. I see Lewis Black plays a banker. Yep. In the movie, which is interesting. I see Christina Ricci plays is a character, and then the guy, the party crasher, is Stephen Lang, the guy yeah. from the Don't Breathe movies. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. Which he's creepy as hell, so I could see that working 100. I think you're going to start to see a trend too of a lot of these featured movies we're talking about. He is not playing a huge role in most of them. And so we end up talking about a lot about a movie where he's not yeah. a major part of it. That's his career. Just what it is. And also note, he's 35 at this point for his first major role. He first acted when he was 21. This is 14 years later where he's finally got something with a little bit of meat to it. But those next couple of years, 91... Appearance on Law & Order, like many other actors we've covered. You have to. If you're from New
3: York, you have to go on Law & Order. Yeah.
2: A couple years later, he's in the movie Guilty of Sin. As you guessed it, Lieutenant Martinez, another cop. Walker, Texas Ranger in 93. Always, I watched a lot of Walker, Texas Ranger when I was a kid. As you should have. I don't know. I should be ashamed of that. The eyes of the Ranger I only on.
3: watched it on the Conan O'Brien show when you would pull the Walker, Texas Ranger lever. <laughs> 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 so.
2: It never seems like a real show to me. But ninety three, he played Pachanga in Carlito's Way, a, a movie where he plays a henchman who turns by the end of the movie. Spoiler. Yeah, he's Carlito's Carlito's bodyguard, Al Pacino's bodyguard. This was the movie that he said he
3: felt like he actually made it. Like, yeah, yeah, big movie. When I'm doing roles and lines with Al Pacino, he's like, I feel like, all right, this was a good career choice. I made the right call.
0: De Palma film, right? Yep. De Palma had done. Harry, he had done Untouchables at this point. So he was like, he would later do Mission Impossible a few years after Carlito's Way. So De Palma was like top five director in Hollywood at this point. So to have it with Pacino and him, he also did Scarface, De Palma did, to have those two together and to be a part of that was probably, like you said, James, that's, I think we'd all feel like we'd made it at that
1: point. Yeah, for sure. Wasn't it Danny Trejo that also said, that's when he first felt like he made it. He was running lines with Al Pacino. It was in Heat. Yeah. It
3: was with Al Pacino and, yep. and Robert De Niro. He's, <laughs> seems to be De, the mark. Good callback, Craig. The one who told him, he's like, what do you do about picking roles? And I think we have Robert De Niro to blame for Danny Trato taking every role. Because De Niro <laughs> said, I say yes to all of them because one day they're just going to stop calling. <laughs> <was
2: Yep>. like, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Carlita's way. Knocked it out in 93. Big time. Yeah. You can see his, his career starting to turn up. He's starting to work with some really good directors, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, ninety three was a busy year. With he did Walker, he did Carlitos Way, Guilty as Sin. He also was in an episode of NYPD Blue, and then ninety four he was in The Cowboy Way as Chango.
0: Guzman's a henchman in this. He's he's an aide to uh, Dylan McDermott, who you wouldn't think would be a good bad guy, but he's a very good bad guy.
2: In no, I think Dylan McDermott could do bad guys. Yeah, he's creepy. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. got that creepy vibe to him. I tried to watch this. There's a really shitty version on YouTube, but I just couldn't do it. It was it was. It was like that, the really bad Laura Lenny movie we watched a couple weeks back. Where there, I was like,
3: ah, there are many movies on his filmography that fit that. About 10 minutes in, you're like, I don't know if I'm doing this.
2: I did that with uh, <laughs> it was Double Whammy. I started that and I was like, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah.
1: And yeah. I did, after Haysburg, man, I can't do any more of this. I was that way with Rooftops. Oh. I started watching, I'm like, nope. No,
2: not today. One of his early ones. We didn't even mention Rooftops, but I guess we did now. We did now. It's in there now. And I did not watch it. Let's talk about a good movie. He's 97. He joins the PTA world in Boogie Nights. He played Maurice alongside Philip Seymour Hoffman.
1: I think this is the first movie he's in. That does not take place in New York City. Really? Oh,
3: you might be right there. T-
1: T- Crocodile Dundee does, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, New, yeah, York it does, yeah. Q&A is New York City. Q and A's New York City. Hardways New York City. Guilty as sin. I I'm not sure on Cowboy Way is definitely New York City. So he's finally gotten over to the West Coast. Yeah, his role's not huge in Boogie Nights, but do you, you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, that
0: opening scene at, at his club is is. Sort of sets the tone for the whole movie, Mm because I remember it being a really long scene where you introduce all the characters are introduced and there's a lot of like tracking shots and stuff. So, you know, this role is like his bread and butter where it's like he's just kind of Mm -hmm. a sketchball club owner.
2: (laughs) He does that a few times. That is a like an archetype
1: of his characters over there. Mm -hmm. Is this the first movie where he's kind of a sleazeball? I mean, Carlito's Way. Carlito's Way, he's a sleazeball. Yeah,
0: and the cowboy way, too. The cowboy way, he's like a that's
1: true.
2: He's like a deranged dude in that, too let's move into highest critic score then 98 out of sight in terms of highest critic score from the, from the data standpoint it definitely earned it got an 85 meta score and then a Rotten Tomatoes it's a 93-74 split so 93 on the critic side so generally beloved film from Steven Soderbergh the first of a couple Soderbergh films that Luis Guzman does <laughs> I have to say of the ones I watched with Guzman this was my favorite of the bunch that I did watch and I think the the scores back that up. Things I learned: it's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Uh, it features George Clooney, J. Lo, Ving Graham, Steve Zahn, Don Cheadle, Katherine Keener, Dennis Farina, Albert Brooks, and Luis Guzman. So a really a really cool, fun cast. I also learned it's part of the same universe as Jackie Brown. Michael Keaton's character Hebrew repri- prizes along with Samuel L. Jackson reprising his character as well yep. and they both did it for free which is really cool they didn't charge to do it basic plot summary for those who haven't seen it george clooney plays a career bank robber who breaks out of jail very creatively once he breaks out of jail he kidnaps the u.s marshal played by J.Lo, lo and they spend their first moments locked yep. in a trunk together and they start to create a little bit of a, a room. They spark a little romance, even though they're in a hostage situation. <laughs> Other things I learned, uh, Clooney and J-Lo were ranked as the sexiest couple, like all over the place after this movie. This Entertainment Weekly named this the sexiest movie ever back in 2008 because Clooney and J-Lo were just like very steamy couple on screen all the time. And they're just really attractive humans. So this will happen. Kyle, is it your sexiest movie ever? No. Okay. I wouldn't call it the sexiest movie ever, but Entertainment Weekly did. Prisoners of the moment. How Luis Guzman comes in the picture. Well, Luis Guzman plays a prisoner who is in jail with Clooney at the start of the movie, who is flamboyant. It's kind of implied that he's gay, but it's never shown. I, I assume at least prison gay. You can kind of choose that one. But they are planning an escape, and George Clooney basically throws them under the bus, so they get caught most of them at least, and then he can escape. But Luis's character actually gets away in all of this mess. And as Clooney is gallivanting around and trying to get his life in order after he escapes, he then has to think and worry about the shadow that is Luis Guzman's character, who's tracking down his ex-wife, played by Catherine Keener. So he's really only in the first 40 minutes of the movie. And then after that, it's you know, it's all Clooney, J.Lo, lo Ving Rhames, and this, this whole plot to steal some uncut diamonds from Albert Brooks's place. Placed in Michigan, by the way, in Birmingham, Michigan. I totally forgot because I had seen this years ago. So he's not in it a ton, and he's kind of a sleazeball. He's definitely not even kind of a sleazeball. He's definitely a sleazeball when he's trying to get in Catherine Keener's house. And is trying to schmooze his way in and once he does, JLo whoops his ass and puts him on the ground and arrests him. And that's the last you see of Luis. So he's more of a plot device in this movie. Yeah. But the movie was nominated for two Oscars, screenplay and editing, which I thought was interesting. It's a good film. Yeah. I don't you know, I don't know if it's ninety on that level, but it's like a seven, seven and a half for me. I I really enjoyed it. It was a rewatch. It'd been a long time since I'd seen it, but when they got to that house at the end where they're getting the diamonds, I remember that whole scene. And I, I I was like, oh, yeah, I remember all of this that's going down. I just didn't remember Louis Guzman's character at all from the first from the rewatch.
0: I like Out of Sight and I, I like Soderbergh a lot. And this movie, to me, is sort of like what launched him to become like the Ocean's director and like these sort of ironic tongue-in-cheek comedies that he does every every so often
2: yeah this is very different for him that's what i read like it is it's because
0: it's funny out of Mm -hmm. sight's funny like it's like george clooney is it's there's some laugh out loud moments in it for sure and and i agree with you they j-lo and and him look good together but I, i also agree with you in that guzman is is a rather forgettable character in this not much not much there unfortunately so
2: yeah, his character is just not given a great shake from a screenwriting standpoint. Yeah, he's there to like get Clooney scared mm-hmm. after he escapes, and then just kind of forgot about. It. They move on, and it's almost like he didn't exist. Yep. Same year, in 1998, he is in Snake Eyes, plays Cyrus. Who's the director of Snake Eyes? De Palma. So back to back, right? Like.
0: Yep, and he plays a he plays a similar character. He's a he's a low life in this who is basically. He, I think he's like a gambling bookie or a loan shark or something. He's like a sketchy dude in this. But yep, he's introduced when when Nicolas Cage, who plays a cop, is like chasing him through the this arena, trying to like track him down.
1: I can watch almost any Nick Cage movie. It's worth
2: watching just for Nick Cage. Yeah, it's not a great movie, but it's not a great movie. I love the premise of it, but
1: it's yeah. not
0: really it's not really yep. executed very well.
1: Mm-hmm. Who's the other the other main actor in there? He's really Gary good, Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. Yeah. yeah yep. it's- a fun watch.
2: And I think you're going to see, as we talk about the next couple roles, you see a trend with Luis here in this point in his career. He's in a lot of pretty good movies, he's just not a huge part in them. Yeah. Right? So, like, The Bone Collector, he plays Eddie, 99. He's not a big part of it.
0: If I remember correctly, he is, so Denzel is paralyzed in this movie, and he has, like, a team of doctors working around the clock with him, and Guzman is, like, the lead technician for all of Denzel's, like, medical equipment. So, like, his, like, oxygen tube and ventilator and all that stuff. Like, I think Guzman is, like, the guy who, like, controls all that, from what I remember. But, again, a small role. But this was a... Bone Collector freaked me out when I first saw it. it was fucking... I remember
3: really enjoying it, and I'm looking at the reviews, and the critics hated this one. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. 45
2: Metascore. It's not great.
0: This is also Angelina Jolie's, like, breakout role, too.
2: Same year, Magnolia plays a character named Luis, you know, he's playing his own... His own name in this one.
1: Another movie with PSH. And isn't he in charge of the medical equipment?
0: <laughs> For with uh, ninety nine, the year Jason, of medical
1: Jason,
2: equipment <laughs> with
0: Jason Robards his character and Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman talking to him on the. I don't remember Guzman in this. The problem with Magnolia is there are so many fucking dynamite actors in this that like it's easy to get lost in the flood. Like yeah, like you forget that like William H Macy's in this movie and he's mm-hmm. like a top three or four character in the movie, but you just like forget that storyline because. The point of the movie is that all of these stories interconnect, and in order to do that, there's got to be, like, eight stories going on, so.
2: I really liked Magnolia. It was my first time ever watching it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. It's a heavy watch, man. It's long. And it's three hours. It's three hours and two minutes. It's, but... Tom Cruise, like the the breaking down of his tame the cunt yeah. character all the way to like him having deep daddy mommy issues. I was like, oh, shit, we're getting deep. Luis in this movie plays one of the contestants who's going up against the kid. Yes, that's right. Uh, the group of kids. He plays one of the, the three adults in there. So, again, it's not a huge role. Another Soderbergh film in 99, he plays character Ed in the Limey. A main role, he pretty much like second or third build in this one. He got, this was one of his few like notable award nominator roles. He got a nomination from the Independent Spirit Awards for supporting actor in this one as well. Not a huge fan of this one. I'm not either. I I did not like it. Hurts
0: me to say because I love Soderbergh and I love Terrence Stamp. And again, remind me what Guzman is in this.
2: He's like guiding him through the experience. He's like his friend through it so it's a pretty comparatively to a lot of like smaller roles that we've covered this is a more major role yeah there's a lot more screen time for him in this movie compared to some of the others his i guess his first big recurring character on television was in oz from 98 to 2000 he played raul
3: he got on that show because i think it was the first two seasons had come out and it was all anyone was talking about and one of his friends like dude you got to watch this show and he finally watched it and he told his agent he's like i will work for free if they could like put me on, I will. I just want to be on the show. They don't have to pay me.
2: That's pretty cool. That's an awesome yeah. story. Yeah, that is cool.
0: This has uh, Munson Munson Universe favorite Chris Chris Maloney in it. It's got J.K. Simmons in it.
2: Rita Moreno
0: and I hate to say that I've never seen an episode before.
3: Dude, I, I watched the first season of it, and it, it's very '90s and very. It feels very '90s, and it's very heavy topics and. J.K. Simmons is tremendous in that first season.
2: It's a prison show. Does Luis play a prisoner? Unless he's
0: like a prison security guard or like a doctor or something, he's most likely a prisoner.
2: All right, Traffic, another Soderbergh film. I mean, there's he's in pretty much everything Soderbergh did here in the late 90s, early 2000s. He plays a character named Ray. Traffic's awesome. The way it's
0: shot is awesome because it, it's it's about the drug trade. So everything in Mexico that they shoot is like this gold sort of... Dark like film and then everything they shoot in the States is like it looks completely different. Is he uh Don Cheadle's
2: partner in it? Yeah, he is. He is. And he gets blown up at the end of the movie. He gets killed, yeah. yes.
0: That scene's awesome where Don Cheadle's by the fence and he just gets blown mm-hmm. away. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's right.
3: Spoiler alert. Luis said this was his uh favorite role of his. Really?
2: Yeah. I mean this is third Soderbergh film, so by that point he's probably pretty comfortable with the guy and how he approaches the work, so.
0: Yeah, and Traffic was a, uh, that was a not only a box office it, hit, but critics loved it, and it, I think it was nominated for like a lot of Oscars, too. It won a lot of awards. It was mm-hmm. a
2: big big movie. A couple years later, he plays Jacopo in The Count of Monte Cristo. Classic story. Jacopo's kind of like, a, he's a little bit of a knife fighter in that movie. It's a fun character. It's one of the m- more entertaining characters I, I've watched.
3: I, I'm slowly coming to the realization that all of the Luis Guzman movies I watched were all the stupid ones that have come out over like the last 20 years.
2: There you go. So We're, we're, to, we're getting to you here in a moment. Yeah, I, I've missed all
3: the good ones. And I watched all the stupid ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of like serious dramas there in the 90s, like big time blockbuster box office kind of movies with some pretty good directors. O2, he's in The Salton Sea, plays Quincy, and then he's in another PTA film, Punch Truck Love. He plays Lance, a pretty straight edge character who works alongside Adam Sandler in his little warehouse there. Definitely different for him, comparatively to a lot of, he's not funny, he's just, it's just a very vanilla role from him. It's designed to be that way. But good movie. Punch Truck Love is another good movie, and his third time working with Phyllis Seymour Hoffman. Great actor to be crossing over with a bunch of times. Yep. O2's busy year. He's also in Welcome to Collinwood, uh, alongside Sam Rockwell, and he does an episode of Frasier. He also enters the video game world. No two. He's in. He plays a character in Grand Theft Auto: Vice City, big time video game. I bet all of us, most of us, played that at some point. Absolutely. In Huge. Love that game. I was obsessed. Yep, with one that.
3: of the best. What I did on that game is going to change how I view. Parenting my kids playing video games (laughs) for the rest of my life. Kyle, I would park on top of a parking lot, like a, uh, what are they called? Like a parking tower. Parking garage. Yeah. Parking garage. And I would just fucking snipe cops for hours, bro. (laughs) And it'd be like, the FBI is coming and I'm shooting rockets at the FBI. I would kill everybody. And then I'm a normal person for the most part. And so that has drastically changed how I view video games moving forward.
2: Did you get all the cheat codes like my brother did, so you could get like unlimited ammo, yes, or rockets, 100%, stuff yeah. like that? Go so online, could...
3: get get the unlimited ammo and armor. And <laughs> so when work.
2: choppers and tanks start showing up, you're ready to go. Bingo! We're having a war. <laughs> Oh, uh, we had similar childhoods son James. It's weird. <laughs> it's almost like we're the same age and grew up in the same time. For real. Two thousand three. He's in Runaway Jury, plays Jerry, one of the jurors in the movie. This movie nice. was a hit from what I remember. <laughs> Look
3: at
0: the
2: It's uh, a fun movie, man.
0: Yeah, it's a Grisham. It's a Grisham book, so of course yeah. it's gonna be a popular one.
2: Yeah, it's a John Cusack. I mean it's a John Cusack vehicle, one hundred percent. He he drives everything. But it's a it's a cool little premise about a guy who gets brought onto the jury who's got an agenda, who hides it and then basically is swinging the jury one way or the other. And Dustin Hoffman plays the good guy prosecutor who gets tested by the end of the movie and does the right thing and gets rewarded for it. So it's a, it's a feel-good w- movie with lots of great actors in it.
3: I didn't realize he had multiple crossovers with John Cusack. He does, including the one you're going to do here shortly. Yeah, man.
1: <laughs> Confidence, 03. I know Craig spoke highly of this film. Love this movie. Like There's an incredible cast in this movie. The way this story is told, I really liked it. I thought it was shot really well. And one of the things I will say about Guzman specifically is I think he shares the screen really well with a lot of big actors in this movie. And, you know, you've got Edward Burns, you've got Paul Giamatti, you've got... Rachel Vise and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And again. He's right in there with all those with all those other, you know, really high level performers. When you told us Luis Guzman, this was the first movie I thought of. Because I remember him vividly in this movie and he did well and, and it is a really good movie.
2: Anger Management O three. He plays Lou, a character that Totoro describes as a Spanish fruit topping. <laughs> you think you're better than me? Because you got both your nuts. <laughs> What a legendary John Turturro, man. He's so good. Yes, uh, he's good and everything. Luis Guzmán is is
0: kind of what you mentioned earlier where they don't they don't sp- sp- or explicitly say that he's gay, but they allude to it because he's he's very flamboyant in this. He wears a shirt like above his belly button and but yeah, this he's introduced as a part of Adam Sandler's character's anger management group and it, obviously it's the it's a hodgepodge of sort of the worst kind of people in the world it's it's absolutely hilarious I, I really enjoy this movie um it's very random a lot of crazy cameos in it woody harrelson as a uh cross-dressing prostitute is a good one but yeah what's it's, the
2: quote you said he says at the end hebrew melvin's in love <laughs> 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 that was a fun rewatch now. That was a really
0: fun rewatch. I, I can't really say it's aged very well. It's very, it's very yeah. offensive, but it is what it is. It's, it's, it's a good one. I share this in the group chat, but my first real
3: job out of college, I fucked up as I am prone to do, and I sent out <laughs> a clip from this uh, movie where the guy is in anger management because he's a Knicks fan. And the the center goes for a layup and he misses it. He just screams, oh, you got to dunk that shit. You fucked up. And I sent that out. And my boss immediately calls me and says, like, that's inappropriate. And he wrote me up. He's like, you don't ever send an email like that (laughs) ever again. I was like, I'm I'm sorry. I thought, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I misread the situation. My apologies.
1: That's hilarious.
3: The anger sharks
0: are swimming in my head. (laughs) (laughs) dumb
2: (laughs) Dumb and Dumber, When Harry Met Lloyd. This was originally going to be one of our categories, but his role is so small in this movie as Lloyd's dad, I believe. Yeah, he plays Lloyd's
3: dad. And I attempted to watch this movie now for the second time in my life. And I made it further, but I still didn't finish. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, We don't need to talk about it anymore. The candy bar scene is still very funny, but the rest of it I, I did find it funny though that they didn't acknowledge that lloyd is very much a white man and that yeah. his dad is Luis guzman <laughs>
2: that's hilarious <laughs> yep and that's about the start and end of the jokes around Luis yep, guzman 100%. One, which is why we're not going to cover it for a, a future review in a world of where he doesn't have substantial this is one of the smallest ones oh four he's in a series of unfortunate events as Bald Man, so a crossover with Jim Carrey, very small role. And then 2005, he's in Dreamer alongside Dakota Fanning.
1: Is that the uh, Kurt Russell movie as well? Kurt Russell, Dakota,
2: Chris Christopherson, Lisbeth Shue, David Morse, and Louise Guzman.
1: And that's a good cast. It is. Decent
2: ratings from what I can tell. But the 05 movie we really want to talk about is what we're going to call Largest Audience Gap. And that is probably Luis's most famous comedic movie for people our age. And that's Waiting, where he plays Radimus, and Rigby has it.
0: Yeah, so Waiting, I hadn't seen in about 15 years until I watched it today. So <laughs> Waiting is a 2005 comedy film about the day in the life of employees at a fictional restaurant named Shenanigans. Think of like a T.J. Friday's, or a Chili's, or a, a Fuddruckers, or a place like that where you know it's a chain and there's a bunch of bunch of happy go lucky type waiters that's except they are not happy go lucky in this movie as we'll get to
1: there is a chain of bowling alleys and entertainment centers down here called shenanigans
0: (laughs) (laughs) is it spelled with a z on the end like in the movie it
1: sure is oh that's awesome
0: so this movie stars ryan reynolds justin long Luis guzman dane cook and anna faris among others Waiting was successful at the box office because its budget was $3 million and it ended up grossing nearly $19 million. And as I mentioned, the movie takes place over the course of one day at the restaurant. And each of these characters' stories is weaved throughout the movie through various scenes. Justin Long's character, Dean, is a directionless, smart guy who has, you know, he, he just doesn't have the motivation to, to find a, a, a better, well-paying job. So he's in this sort of directionless job and he gets offered a promotion at the restaurant throughout the movie is battling whether or not to take this role. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, Monty, he is like the pervy... I mean, they're all pervy, I guess, but he is the sort of outlandish graphic uh, waiter who is training a new employee for his first day on the job. And then Luis Guzman, as Kyle mentioned, plays Radimus, who's the head chef at the restaurant. Guzman is very horny in this role, has... Sex, I believe, multiple times, if not maybe just once, but in the in the bathroom of the restaurant with his girlfriend, who also works at the restaurant.
2: You want to go have some sex? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: he's also the creator of a game where employees uh, try to get other male employees to accidentally look at their genitals. So it's a, I believe it's, I believe it's called the Penis Game, but I think it's that's up for debate. I don't know if there's an actual name for it. But the goal of the game is to get. Your male colleague to accidentally look at your your penis, so uh, very very childish, but but very funny at the same time. Uh, it's a very raunchy movie. Guzman is I think responsible for the film's most memorable scene when he's teaching the new employee the different very <laughs> the different variations to get a uh, a coworker to look at your at your junk, including the bat wing and the brain, which I thought were uh-
2: do it, James.
0: So
3: shout out to my my buddy Paul, but he wouldn't say it like this all the time he goes you have to make it flat like paper
2: (laughs) so you look at that
0: ah (laughs) the
3: brain
0: yeah i love when he when he gets him to look at it he goes it's so veiny it's (laughs) so (laughs) veiny it's one of those movies that like you just feel you feel dirty and and rotten Mm -hmm. sort of laughing at the movie doesn't have the best reviews i think it's a 30 on rotten tomatoes but if we're focusing on Guzman, which you are in this podcast, I think it's safe to say that he's in his element here. I agree. Yeah, he's really funny in this really funny in this role, and you can tell that he and the other actors just kind of had a. It was just a really fun movie to film because uh, it kind of just got to ad lib a lot and just sort of let loose with, you know, Dane Cook, who's a huge, who was a big star when this movie came out in the mid two thousands. Ryan Reynolds had just gotten gotten started with Van Wilder, and obviously his career has only gotten bigger since then. Justin Long had just gotten started too. If you don't like graphic, raunchy comedies, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you do and you haven't seen it, go on HBO Max and check it out. I'd recommend it. It
3: is one of those movies that I remember loving
0: and looking back and I
3: do not enjoy it. (laughs) There are funny moments, but like Ryan Reynolds' entire plot line is that he only bangs underage girls. Right. And he's trying to bang the hostess before she turns 18. And you're just watching, you're like, oh my God, like this is the whole plot.
0: Yep. It's, there's a lot of references to statutory rape in there that, Mm -hmm. that just, oh yeah. Again, 20, 15 years ago, they sat a little better than they do now, which is sort of one of those head scratchers that you're like, I don't know how we'd ever thought that was funny. I didn't laugh at that plot line, I'll admit that, but I did, I did like, I did like the penis game. I thought that was absolutely hysterical.
2: Well, I think it explains the the score difference of 75 to 30. It's like, critics You know, adult critics watching this were like, "Yeah, a lot of this is pretty childish." Whereas, like teenagers were like, "Yo, this shit is hilarious."
1: Yeah. Are you saying Roger Ebert didn't like the penis game storyline? Yeah, I can't say that with confidence.
2: It's funny because I
0: I read that the movie was written by a guy who used to work in the restaurant industry, and this is like based off his experiences. It's like, fuck! I hope
2: everybody I've ever talked to that works in the restaurant industry connects with this in certain ways, because some of the, the pieces are very true. Like to the point when the woman's a huge asshole and they come back there and they like <laughs> spit on her. Yeah. yeah. They... <laughs> Where he goes, when he say, no, Luis Guzman's best line in the movie might be, what are you doing, man? You can't mix Mexico. <laughs> <with Continental." laughs> He's like, Oh, be a professional. Come on. I had two DVDs stolen from me in college. This was one of them. <laughs> Relevant. Twice? Yeah, this one. Twice. <laughs> they stole it back.
1: <laughs> Oops, I'm all thumbs today.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love that. He really
1: is the best comedic part of yeah. that movie. I was yeah. just going to say, is this his most quotable movie? I, th- I mean, yeah. For
2: him. This is the first thing I thought of. He was my favorite character in the movie, for sure. Okay, well, let's keep it moving, because we could probably talk about that movie forever. Hey, hey Rick, I have a question for you? Yeah. You want to have some snacks? <laughs> Uh, oh six School for Scoundrels. He plays Sergeant Moorhead. This has got
1: to be Todd Phillips' worst movie, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, there's some laugh out loud moments in it. The the scene where Sean William Scott's running on the treadmill and falls off and runs into the dumbbells is pretty funny.
2: Beverly Hills Chihuahua, another appearance of that godforsaken film with Jamie Lee Curtis. He plays Chucho. For the record, though, he doesn't play a Chihuahua, he plays a larger dog. So I'm not going to give him too much of a hit personally, because of Beverly Hills Chihuahua, only like a half point off. But he is still in this movie, and that's not to be commended.
1: I see he's getting more selective with his roles at this point. (laughs) Dog movie. But no, the dogs don't die in this movie, so that's good. I will not play a Chihuahua. I will only be a big dog.
2: 2008, he plays the funny uncle in Nothing Like the Holidays, a movie about a Puerto Rican family where Alfred Molina plays the dad and brother played by Jay Hernandez, and lots of others. It's like a family Christmas film around a Puerto Rican family. And I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty lovely. This is one of the roles where I think he's right in his element, just like waiting. He plays a funny, hilarious uncle that just makes jokes the whole time.
1: I'm starting to appreciate that he stays in his lane.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, a lot of times I'm I'm looking at actors, I'm like, oh, I just wish they'd do some more things, but I mean... I'm thinking to myself: We've actually spoken pretty fondly of him in every role, and we know he's either going to be a criminal or a cop. And we're all like, "Yeah, but he's 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 entertaining and he's charming." I, I think I think that's important to note at this point.
2: Criminal, cop or, or the levity of of the film of the kind of the comic relief a lot of times. And he's good at it. Well, speaking of also 08, he's in Yes Man, another movie with Jim Carrey. And do you guys remember his his character? It's, it's listed as Jumper. Nope. The one that Jim Carrey plays Oasis to get oh, him to come off the ledge. wish you
3: would <laughs> step back from that ledge.
2: <laughs> so it's just him like screaming and singing the song with Jim Carrey. So it's pretty brief, but that's pretty entertaining. 09, he's in Fighting, plays Martinez, a little bit of a fight promoter role. And then he was in The Taking of Pelham 123, a, a pretty big remake in 09. He's a bad guy in this. Docker. Um, <laughs> Uh, there's not many good guys in the taking of Pelham 123. I thought he was the cop. Yeah.
0: Well, there are a lot of cops in it, so That's what. But he plays the Martin Balsam role from the remake in this one, the 2009 version from Tony Scott.
1: They really tried to get this one with two big names of Denzel and John Travolta. This is one of those times for me though that I'm glad they did a remake. I was not aware of the original taking of Pelham One Two Three. So then after I watched this one, then I, I was instantly wanting to watch the, the original.
2: Old Dogs with Seth Green in 09, that episode of Community that James mentioned earlier in 2011. 2013, he plays a pretty big role as Angelo in Turbo, a fun animated movie we talked about on the Maya Rudolph episode. He plays a human in that one. There are a lot of voice roles that are slugs. <laughs> that are little snails, but he plays pretty much like one of the two main human characters in that movie. And then in 2013, he plays the gay. Co- <laughs> I guess, it, yeah, we can assume he's a gay Mexican cop, but he plays a Mexican cop in We're the Millers, who pulls over the the, the RV and basically requests either a blowjob or a thousand dollars. And Jason Sudeikis is convincing Will Poulter to suck his dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, here he's back to his law enforcement. <laughs> and the gay angle from other roles that he's done. And then it turns out it's a thousand pesos. Right at the end. And he's like, oh, so it's like, only he's he's like, what is that? He thinks what is that, like 80 bucks? Here,
1: keeps change. <laughs> it gives him honors. <laughs> this was one of the roles that I wanted clarification of how how realistic his portrayal of law enforcement was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Last couple movies for our next review is The Last Stand in 2013, a movie alongside Arnie and Johnny Knoxville. And In the Blood, the movie we mentioned earlier with Danny Trejo, that money-making vehicle. With Gina Carano.
1: yeah it made $595 thousand dollars it's made money, money, than money than I've ever made By definition and <laughs> made more movie than any movie we've made that's right
3: that's how I want to gauge if a movie is successful or not is if
2: it's made more money than me <laughs> <laughs> 500 grands pretty good all right lowest critic score 2014's reclaim James asset
3: give you guys some background there was actually a couple of movies that had this lowest score which is zero. So I had to choose between which one he's most prominent in, and we ended up on Reclaim. But he's in a, a few Zero movies that uh, did not get, uh, aren't going to get as thorough of review as Reclaim is. So I just wanted to make sure you knew that going into that, so you kind of see where this is going. So Reclaim is about an American couple that is played by Ryan Philippi and Rachel... Is it Lefevre? the girl from... I think she's one of the vampires in the... Twilight. I think she's one of the vampires in the Twilight movies, but I don't recognize her from anything else. Obviously I don't know her last name that well. I
0: think it's The Fev. The Fiv Cramming in your cram holes, <laughs>
3: <laughs> They just they're going through adoption and they discover like a uh, they uncover a high-stakes underground adoption scam known as reclaiming while traveling aboard. So to expose the truth and get back to the U.S., they must risk their lives to save their newly adopted daughter. Preface this with, this movie is one of the last movies that I could find that went straight to DVD. So you got to keep that in mind because this is around the time where DVDs were stopping to become a thing. And so this movie, by the time they finished it, they were like, we're just going to not put this out. The film itself was done as a means to kind of show, you know, invisible children in the world and the scams that are out there when it comes to human trafficking, which is a nice cause, but this movie is just executed so poorly. It kind of comes across like a lifetime movie, but like, it's so formulaic and cliche that like it's a, it's a cool topic that I would love a movie on this, but it's been done better by like man on fire or ransom. Because this movie, like at no point do you care about the characters and you don't care if they win or lose. Nothing feels earned. Luis Guzman plays like the head police chief in this. And so he's helping with this case and investigating this case. And I think he's fine. I don't think he's asked to do a lot. I
2: thought, I thought he was going to be corrupt. Yeah, I, I think so too. He turns out to be a
3: good guy. Because you're kind of all in on trying to figure out who's corrupt and it turns out... Uh, The only other characters you were introduced to besides Luis Guzman and the parents are corrupt. So it's John Cusack plays the bad guy, and he sucks in this, man. This movie's just like, all the bad guys get killed, all the good guys survive. Even Guzman, who at at one point is shot in the back of the head, somehow survives that. Don't worry about it. Really, the saddest part of the movie is the end messaging has nothing to do with the actual movie, which is statistics about all the kids that are human trafficked. Accurate. But this movie, like at no point earns that emotion or any call to action or even even ask you to care. Is it a zero? No, I don't think it is. But it's definitely a bad movie. I would, I would say it's probably closer to like the 30s or 40s where yeah. they, it wants to be this melodramatic movie. It's just not. It's not entertaining. The writer and director of this movie <laughs> did not make another movie yet since this
2: came out. Uh, Alan White eh?
3: has yep. made one since then. He has a movie that's in production, but nothing's come out yeah. he's
2: got something in pre-production and in post Yeah, allegedly uh, yeah i imagine this will put a stall on your career for a while
3: yeah because it's a heavy topic and you got a good cast that could work with this and it's a, the premise is cool and then the movie starts and you're like i don't care <laughs> Like, the, i'm not interested
2: yeah i think that's a good point james i gave it a three so i think your 30 to 40 is good because the, the purpose beyond making is to shed light on a really important topic. Super and so important. that kind of saves it a little bit at the end because it's, it's fiction for a purpose. But you just wish, you just want better out of Jackie Weaver, John Cusack, and Ryan Phillip. You expect better.
3: It's one of those movies where you see the premise and you're like, oh, okay, this could work. And then on the execution, you're like, I kind of feel bad that this is the premise because this movie <laughs> does not do it justice.
2: Well, that's Reclaim.
3: Guzman in this is, again, law enforcement, cop, I think you just fine with the role. I think actually all the actors do fine with the role. I think the script kind of sucks. So they're all just like empty, hollow characters.
2: Yep, I agree. The day we cover John Cusack, Jackie Weaver, or Ryan Phillippe, you'll you'll mention it one more time. You know what sucks, dude, is I like Ryan Phillippe. I do too. Fills out the a little bit more of an understanding. Next couple of years before our last feature review, you've got top five a movie that we covered on the Chris Rock episode. I believe it was his highest critic score. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Luis plays Bobby the Cop in that one. Um, But then 2015, he plays uh, a pretty important role in six episodes of Narcos. He plays Jose, who's based on a real-life character, a pretty diabolical
3: dude. What season of Narcos is this? First. No. Yeah, he's in the first season. Oh what! I didn't know that. I watched the mm-hmm. I watched the whole series. I must have just not rewatched it because I thought he was like a side character.
2: Because they talk about his character, his real life character owning, what, having to sell one of the soccer teams, after his Escobar's political run went to shit. I watched I think three episodes yesterday. Dude,
0: the first two seasons of that
2: show were so well done. Mm-hmm. So well done. And then he he executively produced Puerto Ricans in Paris in 2015 and also played a character. I
3: looked at the pre the the cover art for that and i said no
2: (laughs) no not doing it hard pass hard hard pass i didn't even look at that so i give you i commend you in that one james
1: this one could have competed for his worst box office performance because it only world grossed one hundred and three thousand, but i was unable to find the budget (laughs) You, you hate to hear that when this is your first big producing credit that maybe sucks. the budget was $5,000. I
2: don't know. Let's hope he didn't lose much money out of his pocket on this one. Maybe he was I mean executive producer, he's one of the big dogs, but I don't know. All right, last last feature review Sam would have covered it, but again, you know, couldn't join us last minute, so I'm going to I'll take the lead and the other guys can tag team this one a little bit, but it is 2016's Keanu for largest critic app. Keanu is not about Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Reeves does play a role in the movie. So in case you're listening, you're like, oh, this isn't about the amazing action star of Matrix Resurrections, which just came out at Christmas. No, but he he makes an appearance in the film, so you're not going to be overly disappointed. But the cat dad in me loves this movie. And I know the cat dad and James, are probably a big fan of this, too. Yeah. I remember when Key and Peele did the, their Hot Ones episode and it was to promo Keanu. When it came out in 2016, and the way they described it, I've always remembered, where they said the synopsis was, how far are two grown men willing to go to protect their precious little kitty cat? (laughs) That's the best way to explain what Keanu is. If you hear that premise, and you think it sounds like a PG family-friendly film, you'd be wrong, because it's not. (laughs) It is raunchiest. I'm not going to say raunchy, but the language is very much not for kids. It's from R. Start to finish. Yeah. It's it's a hard R in this movie. But it has all the hallmarks of a Key and Peele sketch plus the fact that it would never be on Comedy Central because it's just too raw. It's got Nia Long playing a main character in the movie which they talk a lot about in one of their sketches. And I like when they go see a Liam Neeson film because they always talk about it. That one skit where they play the bellhops. They, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. So, little little shout out to their show. But it's about a cat named Iglesias, who is taken from a drug dealer by assassins, who are played by makeup versions of Key and Peele. Darker versions that don't ever say anything. The two characters played by Key and Peele, Rel and Clarence, adopt Iglesias, don't know his name is Iglesias at the time, and name him Keanu. And Jordan Peele, a.k.a. Rel, is in a very dark period of his life, And so, therefore, the cat is kind of like a savior for him. Brings him out of the dumps to the point where he starts making a cat calendar where he has the cat pose in movie shoots like Reservoir Dogs. And
3: they choose the most adorable cat possible. (laughs) The kitten in this is the cutest fucking kitten. It is He is so
2: cute. (laughs) And the things they get this cat to do, I don't know how many takes it took, but to, like, lick their faces... The, the part where he's leaving and he's got his ex's f- picture up there and the cat's just scratching at her face <laughs> and not his. I'm like, man, this cat is so talented. I'll tell you what. They probably had to do this take 45 times, but they finally got it. But yeah, Keanu Reeves does make an appearance in this. He plays the voice of Keanu in, one's, in one of Clarence's drug-induced <laughs> That's delusions right. where he's high on what they call holy shit. I don't mess with that holy shit. Um, and in Guzman plays Bacon Diaz, he, the, basically the, a drug kingpin, right. who uh, whose cousin was murdered at the beginning of the movie. The guy who had owned Iglesias originally, it's his cousin. And at the end of the movie, you don't see him until uh, the last fifteen minutes. But he's pretty much he's a very prominent part of the last fifteen minutes of the film, where he middle of the big old shootout and ends up getting dri- <laughs> ends up in the car in a car chase and then gets hit by a car at the end. But somehow can't die. Luis Guzman's character is unkillable in his words in this movie until the absolute end after some serious movie magic. So that's Keanu. It's really fun. It's hilarious to watch Kean Peele do their thing.
3: I'm a huge Kean Peel fan and obviously a huge cat fan. So when this movie came out, I went to go see it in theaters with my now wife. Um, I loved it then. It's stupid, but Kean Peel's skits are stupid and that's what makes them great i the line i love from this is when they're getting in an argument about who's tougher and the way they measure who's tougher is by how tough the guys who kicked their ass in high school were he's like the guys who kicked my ass in high school were like the toughest guys i'd ever seen and he's like i guarantee the guys in my high school who kicked my ass were way tougher (laughs)
2: because keegan michael key's from detroit so he's like, bro i grew up i was went to detroit public schools bro the guy's who whooped my ass much bigger.
3: Yeah, much bigger. Way tougher. He's like, I guarantee it. And and he just keeps going, no way.
0: No way. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it being a
2: pretty big movie when it came out. Huge movie. If you like Keanu, Peel, it is well worth the time. If you don't like Keanu, Peel, it's probably not worth your time. Yeah.
3: When they go to get the cat from Method Man, he's got on like a little kitty do-rag. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen.
2: Check it out. Largest critic gap in 7855. I I'm probably in a seven range. Yeah, I'm I'm closer to the critics than I am the audience here. Also, 55 for a comedy is not that bad. Well, but that's audience though.
3: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is some people like it, some people don't. Is way different than the vast majority of people don't like this at all.
1: Yeah, I guess it's not like universally hated. It's odd that a quirky comedy like this would be would hit better with the critics than it would fans. Yeah,
3: you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah, and this is before Jordan Peele went and did all of Get Out and all of those things too. So it wasn't like he's riding the coattails of that. Yeah. There's good act, There's good actors in it, and it's kind of a funny. And the, I honestly, to James's point, the cat is so fucking cute that probably sells it hardcore. He and Peele would have, they would have died at the end of the movie if Bethan Man would have just given over the cat to Luis Guzman, but he wouldn't. And then it turns <laughs> into a shootout. 2016, The Do Over, plays Jorge alongside David Spade. 9/11, a movie that was intended to honor. The victims of 9-11 and the firefighters and others who helped save people. Oh, that 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, uh, Gina Gershon,
3: Whoopi Goldberg.
2: He plays a mechanic, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. It's unfortunate because it, it just makes you care about things that don't really matter in the larger scope of 9-11 at all.
0: This was uh, famously panned when it came out, which with that cast, I don't really see how you couldn't see that in...
2: See that coming from a mile away? Yeah, Charlie Sheen. I mean, come on. Unfort and unfortunately, it's like Luis Guzman has a pretty primary role in this movie, and it tends to be one of his worst. So, I did. That was the last movie I watched in my prep. I had to go on in the. Oh, that, that sucks. Day. I know.
0: You should watch the. You should watch the Cowboy Way to cleanse your palate.
2: <laughs> I need to watch the hard way. Is what I need to watch. Yeah, you do. It's like the, that's like the one leftover I need to catch. Sandy Wexler, another David Spade, Chris Rock movie in 2017. Music videos, he did two Logic music videos, the first being one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. The the song about suicide prevention, which is a really cool concept and cool song and music video. I don't know how he got hooked up with Logic, of all rappers, but he did two of his music videos. Interesting.
3: When concerts were a thing, I went to a Logic concert once, and he was a great live performer, but that was years ago when we were allowed to go to concerts. <laughs>
2: The Padre, 2018, a movie with Tim Roth. We talked about on the Roth episode. Mm -hmm. He plays a small role in that. And then he plays a fun role in Shameless in a season in 2019 as Frank's hobo friend, Mikey. Yeah. Mikey O'Shea, who are competing to to out-hobo each other. It's great because
3: (laughs) the one character on that whole show who, like, characters have peaks and valleys and... I think the show does a great job of like, you're rooting for someone and you think they're going to do the right thing. And then they go through a life event and all of a sudden they're a big idiot, which is very realistic. The one character who never has any sort of redemption is William H. Macy's character, who's a (laughs) piece of shit from start to finish. And when he meets Luis Guzman, they're trying to see who could pretend to be more homeless than the other so that they get more attention when they go to like homeless shelter. And it's just like like, they're both homeless, but they're like, trying to be slime balls about it it's pretty funny he's perfectly suited to be on that show and do well yeah it's it's a show that'll have like really funny scenes and then hit you over the head with something heavy and yep. he, he's good at dabbling in both
2: and then speaking of good characters 2020
1: he's on the eric andre show and case has been dying to talk about this him and eric andre get into a very serious discussion about how you go about buying a home first you escrow then you make your down payment or whatever. It, so so Eric Andre leads him through. He goes, did you do this? And he goes, yep. And he goes, did you do this? He goes, yep. And he goes, did you do this? He goes, yeah. And then Eric Andre just starts to clap for him. <laughs> and he's so confused as to, what am I doing here? Like, I'm, what am I talking about escrow for on the Eric Andre show? <laughs> Are you playing himself? He's Isn't playing it? himself, yeah. Yeah. Unknowingly. That show's unbelievable. It's just... So entertaining. I love
3: that type of humor. Yeah, it, it's just awkward and uncomfortable, but hilarious at the same time.
1: Guzman's a great person for this, because I don't know if he's in on it. The way he's acting, I'm like, I don't think he's in on it. Then I'm like, I don't know. How can you not be in on it? Right, like very between two ferns
3: with Galifianakis, where you're like, they have to, they have to be in on this joke, right? Like- that's
1: exactly right. But then he's there's a couple times when he's looking around like, yeah, that's, that's how mortgages work. I mean, that's all <laughs> I talked about was his mortgage you gotta respect it if, if you're wanting to check it out season five episode seven i love it and the name of the episode is named after my dad's penis
2: <laughs> what's your dad's penis's name
1: it's the name of the episode i know
2: i know <laughs> <laughs> i was hoping you'd make something up on the go It'd be like enrique or something like that i don't know a few other recurring roles so I mentioned earlier done a bunch of TV so some of the more notable ones that have been consistent over the years he was in his first like I guess big TV show was House of Buggin' 1995, he was in 10 episodes of that. From the still I'm looking at, it looks like John Leguizamo was also in it. I think it was a big Latinx show in the mid 90s, from what I was reading. He was in nine episodes of Luis in 03. He was Ramon and John from Cincinnati
1: 07, 10 episodes of that. John from Cincinnati, have any of you guys seen that? It? It's, it's a fantastic show. I've heard I, good things. I haven't. It was only one, it only lasted one season, right? It was so bizarre. That HBO was like, we love this show and it's got good ratings, but we don't know where to go with it. Mm -hmm. And so then they just kind of moved on to other because they weren't really big into the weird, like supernatural, like kind of abstract shows. They were like crime and you know mafia and prison, and so they didn't know what to do with it. You said it was HBO. Yeah, it was HBO. Bruce Greenwood. Awesome. I love Bruce, Bruce Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood's He's great. Awesome. Uh, Rebecca DeMornay is in it. It's a really interesting show. I, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah, Kyle, and I think you mentioned the show Luis. That was actually, he he plays the title character, Luis. That's based yep. off him, right? I mean, it's not yep. his career, but he plays the title character in that. Yeah, I
2: think it's loosely based mm-hmm. from what I was reading. Yeah, so another HBO show in 2010, How to Make It in America. I
0: like this show, uh, and I liked his character in it. This is actually probably for both tv and film this is probably my favorite character of his really wow yeah he plays one of the these two guys are trying to make it in like the fashion business in new york and he plays the cousin of one of the one of the characters and he's like a really intimidating like gangster type who tries to get them to invest in uh a bunch of his projects and stuff yeah he's really good in
2: it It, i saw it had really good reviews it had great ratings
0: it did. No. It was a show that got canceled after 2 seasons cuz don't really think a lot of people watched it. I really enjoy the show though.
2: Anybody see Code Black? He played Jesse?
3: Nah, man. I can only do TV shows that are like streaming and dark and depressing. I can't yeah. be finding these mainstream shows
0: that are like kind of
3: light and fluffy but also dark dramas like I can't
0: my brain's not built for that. I remember uh Jim Nance teasing this on Sunday afternoon football
2: back <laughs> watching games back in the day, but uh
0: but never turned into it myself.
2: He had he was in forty-seven episodes. So Holy this is just by far his longest running show. And as I look at the still, the he there's four people. It's Marta Gay Harden, him, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. He's one of the main characters in that show, it looks like. Well,
3: we're Munson's at the movies, not Munson's at CBS at <laughs> eight o'clock. <laughs>
2: That's true. <laughs> Roadies, he played Gooch 2016, a show on Showtime,
1: Godfather of Harlem, and then Hightown was one of his more recent ones. He plays a character named Jorge in Hightown. This is an interesting show. I stumbled on it. It's on stars, and it's produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. No big deal. His character is a deplorable piece of shit. <laughs> he has zero redeeming value damn and he leans into it in this one too it's it's a good watch it's nice. a really interesting show even those paychecks coming in
2: with decent shows good for him amen and then the last one i'll mention is ultra city smiths he plays rodrigo um, came out this past year in 2021
1: what is that show i don't
2: know much about it is it a cartoon no it's like a puppets and shit okay it's on amc <laughs> I don't know how you describe that.
0: I think puppets and shit's a good description.
2: Yeah. Okay. It kind of reminds me of like Team America World Police, but with like Cabbage Patch Kids
1: crossover. America. <laughs> what would you do?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing I'll note, which is, you know, we talked about like randomly, like Gabe Byrne lives in Maine, right? He, Luis lives in Vermont
1: yeah. of all yeah. places.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Just hold it down in Vermont, man. living Living his
1: best life. So he got a farm, like a ranch. I don't know, but he, he got, got a mortgage, home. and he had escrow. Definitely has a mortgage. Yeah. Definitely has a mortgage. That's awesome.
2: I think he already has like six kids over the years. So you know, just I, I imagine. I don't know how many are still in the nest at this point. He's an older guy.
1: At, Rigby, you know, no you'll matter. you'll have to go back to the Eric Andre show to get the gist of his home in Vermont. He'll tell <laughs> you all about it.
2: There <laughs> you go. I need to. I want to learn more about his life in Vermont. But I just think that's cool. In a world of Hollywood actors, that people that live in. You know, New York or L.A. This dude lives in fucking Montpelier, Vermont, or something. Who knows?
1: Slightly unrelated. I think Joey Pants also lives in Vermont. Does he? Yeah. All right,
2: let's go. Th- those two are st-
3: Guzman said uh, he lives in Vermont with the good white people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Bernie crowd. All right, top performances. Rigby, what do you got for us?
0: All right, so I couldn't find a definitive list, so what I was able to put together was a list from this site, Remezcla. It describes itself as a grassroots project that writes about Latin music, culture, and events. Okay, <laughs> It's actually a little old. It's from 2014, but it's it was the most definitive list that I could find. And it's actually roles that prove Luis Guzman is the most prolific character actor of our time. Okay. Oh,
1: bold statement.
2: So no Keanu, but potentially some Reclaim.
1: That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, obviously Reclaim, of course. And no Eric Andre. No Eric Andre, yeah. No so,
2: Narcos, right. yep. And is it TV and movies?
0: Yes, and video games. So And video
2: games. Oh, there you go. And how many are there?
0: There are 15, but do you want to do all of them or do you want to do 10? All right, we, we could try.
2: I was going to narrow it down to five. <laughs> all right, give me Vice City yep. since you gave me the clue.
0: Yep, that's 10. So let's do the top 10. That's okay, 10. we'll do top ten. Boogie Nights. Uh, three. Nice job. Punch Drunk Love. Uh, that's not on here, surprisingly. Oh, though.
2: interesting. Waiting. Uh, Confidence.
0: Waiting is number 12, so that's out of the top ten. Confidence is what? not on here.
2: The list is void as who? Count of Monte Cristo. No. Damn. Traffic.
0: Actually, no, I'm sorry. That's number eight, Kyle. Okay, thanks. Traffic is seven. All right, so we have uh, seven, eight,
1: ten, and three oz oz is four Good call Give me oz. how do we not get his top one we need nine anger management nope oh carlito's way
2: yep
0: yes that's number one okay
2: yep that makes sense oh, yeah i get that magnolia
0: number six. Oh, it did make it so we need two and seven and nine which nine we
1: didn't talk about how about the hard way the adventures of pluto nash <laughs> i wish nope <laughs> out of sight <laughs> No. Oh. oh, wow. I thought that would have got it. He's not a huge in
2: that. Oh, the Bone Collector? Taking a Pelham, one, two, three. Nope. Bone Collector is five.
0: To both of those? No. Oh,
2: sorry. I think
0: so. The Brave. Nope. So we still need seven and two.
2: Damn. Uh, is one of them animated? No idea. We're the Millers is my last guess.
0: Nope. So we need two, seven, and nine. And I don't think we talked about two because it's a sequel. Uh Oh. If we talked about it, we just briefly mentioned it. You
1: mean Waiting 2? No. <laughs> not Dumb and Dumberer nope okay Uh, i don't know it's carlito's way
0: rise to power oh yeah that's in there twice the 2005 sequel right yeah with jay hernandez yeah
2: jay hernandez in that too
0: and we didn't cover still waiting nope didn't cover (laughs) still waiting number nine is the salt and sea okay yeah we mentioned that but we didn't talk about it we mentioned it but we didn't talk about it
2: it's got good ratings i noticed number seven probably
0: one of his definitely one of his best reviewed movies i'll say that and and did well at the box office too.
2: And we didn't mention
0: it? We did mention it. Traffic? Traffic, we, yes.
2: We did traffic.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Number eleven was Luis, which was this his show. Yep. Twelve was waiting. Thirteen is I kicked Luis Guzman in the face, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it's a short. Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen is Beverly Hills Chihuahua and fifteen is How to Make an
1: ah, America. Ah <laughs> the only thing I'll say about this is if his role playing himself isn't number one? Just leave it off the list. <laughs> yeah, you don't gotta be a dick about it, right? Like, no one's gonna play him better than him. You don't. Have you met
2: Daniel Day Lewis? Okay, so what was the top three again? Remind us. Two Carlitos Way and Boogie Nights. Oh, so they really like the Carlitos Way character. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if he's great in waiting. It's just the most memorable in my mind. Yeah, but that's because we like comedy and we're not sticklers mm-hmm. for that kind of thing. So, okay, thanks, Rigby. <laughs> All right, let's get into the months and meter. The way this works, we rate every actor on a scale of 0 to 100 based on a variety of factors. Those factors could include longevity, project choice, pop culture impact, their acting range, awards footprint, any other talents they might have, personal life, comedic chops, box office success or lack thereof, and anything else that matters to us that's nonsense. rigby get us started
0: really recognizable character actor he is like to me one of the definitions of like oh i know that guy from that thing like he he's like oh that i know that i know that actor um they might not know his name but they know his face and his mannerism the fact that he's been in the game for a long time and still getting roles today obviously respect it i like how he's a private guy and and doesn't really you know i love the fact that he lives in vermont and not about the hollywood bullshit and just sort of Sort of stays away from all that. Love the fact that he's associated with three of my favorite directors, Paul Thomas Anderson, Steven Soderbergh, and De Palma. I think that he gains points for me there. Yeah. But that's kind of where the good stuff ends. And I guess I should say he's got some memorable TV roles. How to Make an America is probably my favorite role of his period. But, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of range there, unfortunately. He gets typecasted quite a bit, which... You know he's made a pretty fine career out of it by now, so uh, more power to him. Nothing, not going to hold that against him. But in terms of a, in terms of a and meter, sort of growing the score, um, he's not going to get many points from me there. Obviously, no, no awards or Oscar love or, you know, nothing, no notable roles that most people know. So all that being said, I think I'm going to give him one of my lowest. I'm going to give him 66.
3: Very valid score. All right, James, you're up. Rigby, I think you nailed it with your description when it comes to him as a character actor. He is very recognizable he is that guy from that thing like if you say the name people might recognize it but if you show the face and they hear the voice people go oh i know who that guy is he's this from this character actor through and through but there are just some of these movies are just atrociously bad i had multiple zero rating movies to pick through for lowest critic score i appreciate someone who keeps working keeps grinding like that but some of the movies are just trash it is what it is. The other thing I actually have to give him credit for is the longevity here. This is He's been a character actor for, what are we looking at, almost 40 years? Super impressive. Mm-hmm. Never the main role. And then I have to give him most of his points for having such an impact on my life. It's a shameful part of my life. When I was going through puberty as a young teen, and I thought this movie was the pinnacle of comedy when it comes to waiting, and specifically his scenes in which he introduces a game and that made me expose myself to countless friends of mine. And looking back, it's a shameful period in my life, but that's how big of an impact he had. And I have to give him respect for that. Um, in his personal life, seems like a kind, gracious, kind of cool dude. Every time he speaks, everyone says very nice things about him. His life has kind of been out of the limelight. I respect that. And Kyle, I don't know if I'm stealing this quote from you, but he has a great, great quote where he said leading men crash and burn character actors are around forever. Totally respect that hustle. That is uh, kind of what he embodies. It's just for the reasons I said that are negative, I'm unfortunately going to give him one of his, uh, one of my lower scores as well, which is a 56
2: on my end. I appreciate one thing that we didn't mention. I appreciate that he plays, he figured out early on, he, he plays the Latin character in a lot of movies. And because there was a niche for that in Hollywood, Right. There was a need for it. And you could say we could hit, sit here and criticize right, the visibility of certain types of characters in Hollywood in the 80s, 90s and 2000s. And it's a rightful criticism. But Luis figured out early on, I can play that role, play it well, and I can get work. I can get jobs because of it. Mm-hmm. And in a time where there weren't a lot of Hispanic, Latin actors out there doing the job yeah him leguizamo torturo like we're we're talking about the same types of peoples over over and over again so i gotta give him credit for that and recognizing that's the way to get a sustainable career his only awards love is from the limey and he got an isa award and that's not a movie i particularly enjoyed so that says a lot about what i think about his awards footprint but i gotta give him credit he's in great movies from directors like PTA, Soderbergh, and De Palma, those are, those are big names, and they clearly enjoy working with him. He's reliable to them, and I think that says a lot about his craft. But those movies are rarely great because of him, very rarely. He, outside of waiting, you know, you could, again, we can criticize whether we think that movie is great or not. Most movies, he's not the reason it's good. He's not the reason it's bad. He's just there, and he serves a role, albeit small in most pictures that he's in. I love the fact about the community statue and him being the most famous alumni. I think it's a hilarious testament to who he is yeah. as a performer. I love that he lives in Vermont and leads a private life. That's not something you see a lot in the entertainment world these days. I It's music to my ears when James is like, I can't find anything from this person. And then the the a different quote. You didn't steal my quote, James. The quote I found is actually about his performance in no- Nothing Like the Holidays, the Puerto Rican Christmas film. And the quote from... Scott Tobias from the A.V. Club is take a cue from Guzman, who serves as a kind of court jester, bouncing in and out of scenes in a one-man quest to bring levity to the occasion. The movie could stand to have more of his Christmas cheer. Instead, it's a recast Family Stone. So if you ignore that last part, I think it's a, a good testament to who he is as a performer, as somebody who can come in and out of scenes, provide some comedic levity, and then leave and the movie is better off because of him. And I think that's a perfect way to describe who he is as a performer. So. I'm going to give him a a score that is one higher than Gabe Byrne. I'm going to give him a 61. Case finishes off here.
1: You guys have nailed everything. The only thing I'll add to what you just said, Kyle, is I also appreciate that he doesn't portray his characters in a cartoon or a character fashion. It's a pretty straightforward presentation mm-hmm. of, his, of his characters. Other than that, I mean, you guys said everything. I'm always leaning towards the box office stuff. I do enjoy that he's found his lane and he excels at it. And I also love when there's some mystery to who they are. And, you know, I love watching the Eric Andre show and trying to figure out whether or not he's acting or if he's in on it. Anyways, I'm going to give him a 60 for my score.
2: All right. With that, that puts Luis Guzman at a 60.75, which puts him in 45th place sandwiched between david spain and gabe Byrne, the two nor'easters perfect are right next to each other on the munson meter very fair score and what was his number on the front end case 46 46 oh my goodness that's about as good as we've ever been spot on okay cool coming soon what does he got james
3: so a couple of things seem pretty interesting um First is a movie called 18 and Over, which does not seem interesting. Uh, the top-billed cast is Ashley Benson, who I do not know who that is, Pam Anderson as Sheriff Rogers, Louise Guzman as Jazzy Lou, and then Paris Hilton as herself. So I'm not looking forward to that one. But there are two cartoons coming out. One's a TV series called Wednesday, which is about Wednesday Adams, in which he plays Gomez, which I think will be... a uh,
0: very good role for him, I think, that could show off oh, yeah. uh, comedic chops that you are mentioning there, Kyle. I remember reading about that actually now, and I, I like was kind of stunned that he was cast to, to
2: play that, but it'll be interesting to see how he does. This is the fourth iteration of Adam's Family. The first one being Angelic Houston, second one being that shitty one with Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah, Chloe Grace Moretz in the animated one, and now this one.
3: Yep. The other uh, animated movie he's in is called Pierre the Pigeon Hawk which is, I'm not sure who's doing the animation here, but it kind of looks like like a Pixar DreamWorks kind of CGI. It's got a bunch of funny actors in it, so it's going to be like, who we got here? It's Luis Guzman, Snoop Dogg, Jennifer Coolidge, Whoopi Goldberg, Keenan Thompson. This seems like a cartoon that I might enjoy. But then the one that actually looks really good as a drama is the movie *Havoc*, which is coming out. Yeah, which is with Tom Hardy, Timothy Oliphant, and Farce Whitaker. Old, yeah, dude, and it looks looks like it'll be pretty cool. It's about like a drug deal gone wrong, which is you know seeing all all those guys plus Luis Guzmán. I think that'd be like a good kind of noir drama to uh, check out. Cool.
1: So he's got some things. He's probably going to play a law enforcement officer or a drug dealer. Yep, one side or the other, and that's.
3: Based on the names I just read, you could actually say that about all the actors that are in that movie.
1: <laughs> you want to do
2: a $1 bet, Craig? No. No? <laughs> Money's tight during the holidays. <laughs> I get it. You don't want to lose that dollar when he turns out to be a gynecologist in this or, economy. Or the, in this economy. <laughs> so next podcast hits on January 13th. So it'll be the first episode of 2022. We're bringing back Chip Hessenflow from the Irregular Sandwiches Slash too much formerly too much scrolling podcast nice he was previously with us for james i get cucked. marsden and emma thompson one of our higher scoring months and actors yeah to do one of these five actors matthew broderick sienna miller nicholas cage steve buscemi or anthony mackie that's a damn good list what do we like what do we dislike
3: i'm cool with anyone on that list with the exception of sienna miller because i can't think of a single role i've seen of hers Like, I know the name, but I don't know what I know her
0: from.
2: Sienna Miller? Yeah. G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, American (laughs) Sniper. She's
0: Taya Kyle in American Sniper. Lost City of Z. She is Factory Girl. What else is she in?
3: I mean, I guess you guys are proving my point though when we talk about the other people on this list. Yeah,
1: Mississippi Grind. I'd vote for Matthew Broderick, so we can talk about Cable Guy again. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
2: In a federal press holiday.
0: I would love to cover Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi would be awesome, and obviously, Nicolas Cage is. You know, that's that we don't. That, we, don't even, we don't even have to talk about that. Yeah, you know, we all know we have fun.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm due for a rewatch of the National Treasure movies, so that would work out nicely. I watched Anthony Mackie recently in
3: The Night Before, and he's hilarious in it.
2: Buscemi's just an all-around good dude, too, so I think Buscemi would be a fun one. Oh, he's a tremendous actor. He's great. His 9-11. Yeah, tremendous backstory. Being a firefighter, secretly. I didn't even
3: know that. I remember that storyline from that uh, King of Staten Island, but I didn't
0: realize that Steve Buscemi was actually a firefighter.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was helping out with the towers.
0: Another chance to talk about The Sopranos, too.
3: Yeah, it's an excuse for me to watch The Sopranos again for the fourth time in my life (laughs) from start to finish. Boardwalk
2: Empire, too, right? Oh, yeah, he's the main character. Yep. You guys are talking about all these Buscemi movies. You're not talking about the Buscemi movie. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I would argue Fargo is the Buscemi movie, but Billy Madison
0: is close close up there for me, too. I'm
3: kidding. I'm
2: kidding. Oh,
0: and dude, he steals this,
2: every
3: scene he's in in Reservoir Dogs. Oh,
2: no, for sure. Yeah. We don't decide. Chip doesn't decide. The wheel decides, and we'll see how she lands. Well, it's been fun. Thank you for listening. If you are still here with us, d- digging through Luis Guzman's filmography, Stick around for the last words, but as usual, you can find us on Twitter, Munson's at Movies. You can catch us on Instagram, Munson's at the Movies. You can email us. No one ever has. You can email us (laughs) at Munson's at Movies at gmail.com. Any final words from Luis Guzman? I'm seriously serious. You don't want to
1: go there. He kept talking. I, I just blacked out. I blacked out. And when I woke up, I was standing over him and I was screaming, I told you not to go there. I told you not to go there.
2: Munson's out. All right, let's go.
0: Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Doctor, shall we?